0: This episode is brought to you by The Wellness Summit, the one day that's going to change your life. For more information, go to www.thewellnesssummit.com. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up For A Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. chat about the hottest topics that are important to you. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And today we're talking to you all about personalities, perceptions, and projections. Now, let me tell you how this podcast came about. Kim has just done a cover shoot for a local magazine. And when we all saw the cover shoot, we looked at it and were, I guess, in awe of the beauty of her nakedness and authenticity of what she revealed on the cover. And the cover has a picture of Kim sitting on the floor with her legs elegantly crossed, a pair of her running sneakers, and that's it. <laughs> Not even jewelry. A little bit of makeup, a little bit of lipstick. But not much else. Now, the whole the whole magazine, the whole concept of the magazine, the story of, of this of Kim in the magazine is the marathon of life. But it's all about Kim getting naked, revealing her personal story, her personal journey, and really having her story be uh, you know a transformational vehicle. Which was to all of us who know and love Kim was really empowering, inspiring, and just amazing to see our friend on the front cover of a local magazine, which was just, you know, it's beautiful and and so tastefully done. When it came to receiving comments um, on the internet, we noticed that there were a couple of comments that were to the contrary and didn't quite get the nature of the message, didn't quite get that this picture and this magazine story is about revealing our nakedness and all of us coming back to being one and the same and connected and about our authenticity and not actually needing to hide behind anything and that's really i think that's really the message of the story isn't it kim it's mm. it's a, it's about that nakedness but i think what shocked us or i don't think it was shock because you know there's always going to be different you know viewpoints and opinions in society so i don't think shock is really the the, the right language to use there but what brought this podcast to life was to explore that to explore the dichotomy that exists inside of humanity and society and what's acceptable norms and what's really our perception of right and what determines our perceptions. Because to me, I'm looking at this picture thinking it's an absolute vision of of gorgeousness and I get straight away that the picture is depicting nakedness and authenticity and I really get that rawness in it. But somebody else sees it as if, you know... um, why does she have to remove her clothes? Why do we have to bring sex into the equation? Now, I've got to be honest with you, sex was the furthest thing from my mind until I read one particular woman's comment. It never even occurred to me that you were a sexual creature and I would hate to imagine you that way, though I know. (laughs) Yes. All of a sudden I'm seeing things, I'm on a different planet. Take me to a happy place. (laughs) kittens on their back running through fields. K- k- kittens in paddocks with their feet in the air let's all think of kittens in paddocks with their feet
1: in the air instead of Kim in bed with her husband Danny ah, kittens, in, kittens in paddocks, <laughs> kittens, in paddocks? kittens in paddocks but when you look at the photo I, I just I find it stunning and mm. there is no sexual connotation there whatsoever no there's just none, there's nothing there? it's not there especially with those tennis shoes on I'm sorry They're just. it's just not there what's there and and I'm so proud that this is my friend and even if you weren't my friend I'd be very proud that this is a 45 year old woman naked on the front cover of a magazine that how many do they it's thousands and thousands of oh, yeah, thousands oh yes tens of thousands I, I was up at Noosa, you know a half an hour 40 minute drive from here yesterday and there was Kim naked on the bench <laughs> at Organica
0: not literally, <laughs> no, not literally but let <laughs> me just let me just clarify here you can't actually see anything it's not Kim standing there full frontal naked you can't see anything the way that they've positioned mm-hmm. her. You can't see her top. You can't see her bottom. It's just a beautiful picture of a stunning woman with the smile as large mm-hmm. as life with everything that would possibly convey a sexual connotation covered mm-hmm. tastefully and beautifully like art. It's a turtle yeah. of, of limbs, really. Like, you know, it it's is. Just
1: beautiful. I love it. I love
0: it. You're yeah, a little but artwork, what... you are. A little yeah. artwork.
1: But what amazed me is that you weren't supported by, like, it was the females that were criticising you, not the men. I never saw a man criticise a women. No, no, no. Not no. One. But it was the females. Mm. I, I know when, when I was
2: asked to do the story that um, the editor of the magazine had actually heard me speak down in Sydney and and she had heard me tell my raw story on stage. And when she rang me... The ironic thing, there's no accidents in life. Um, On the Saturday night, I actually had a dream I was on the cover of this magazine. And I woke up on Sunday and went, oh, I know that was a dream. That's not going to happen. That was definitely a dream. And just had a little chuckle about it. But on the Monday morning, there was an email in my inbox from the editor saying, we thought you'd be a great cover for our February issue, the raw, real and naked Kim. And I went, off oh, that my gosh, first of all, I was very humbled and obviously flattered that they would want me, you know, because the women that do grace this cover are very, you know, well-respected, intelligent businesswoman here on the Sunshine Coast. And so my first reaction was, wow, you know, wow. So then when we turned up for the photo shoot, or as we were getting closer to the photo shoot, um, it was suggested that I could be naked. Um just as the story would be. And I first, my first reaction was, sure, like I knew that they would be doing it tasteful. I knew there'd be nothing negative around it. Then as the day approached, it's so stupid. All my own insecurities started coming out, like, oh, I don't have a body like Michelle Bridges, oh my gosh, I'm 45, maybe that's too old. If I'm really honest, I started doubting the possibility of me doing it. when I turned up, um, the girls were all saying, oh no, you're, you'd be amazing, it'd be perfect, we'll, we'll do it right. And we started doing the shoot, and to be honest with you, that cover photograph that was used was very comfortable for me. I mean, comfortable in the sense that it was easy to sit like that, it wasn't a, you know, a, a practice pose. But I think what was at first a little bit intimidating was being naked in front of the photographer, the makeup artist, the designer and the stage set and all of that. But then all of a sudden it was like, oh, hang on a minute. I teach women to feel comfortable in their own skin. I teach women that our naked rawness is what's really authentic and real and what we should celebrate. How could I say no? Otherwise, I didn't feel I'd be walking the talk. And I said that to Janine and we laughed. The couple of days before the magazine came out, I was with you girls and I was saying how nervous I was getting because all of a sudden I started worrying about other people's perception of what it would be. Um, And sure enough, my fears came true. But when I think about my fears coming true, it was such a minority. But I did go through a weekend, and you were both on the receiving end of it, of a good 24-hour period where I really wondered if I'd done the right thing.
1: Yeah, you doubted yourself. Mm. And you doubted yourself because... You was well. One, you were scared. What was said about um, what was said in the article? um, That it that it was not actually. It wasn't about anybody else. It was actually about you. But you were worried about what everybody else was thinking. What you said about them, Mm, if mm, you know what I mean. And and in in the run of the the whole thing, it was about you, Kim. This whole article was about you and not about anybody else. And if our names were mentioned, Karen's wasn't. Mine was. I'm a little. I'm a little (laughs) hurt.
0: Look, not not major. It's nothing serious. (laughs) I'm gonna get over it. Do you
2: see what I mean? But you're right. I was very (laughs) concerned about how I would talk about people in my life because, you know, I've learnt when you write about somebody else, it's your experience. But sometimes we don't think about the reaction that person will have to your perception of that experience. I grew up in a family of three children. My sister, my brother and I probably all have a very different viewpoint on our upbringing. In fact, we do. It's quite a different viewpoint. And yet we were raised in the same home, same family, same values. Um, and it really, I guess it opened up this whole discussion and really, what is truth out there? Um, what does it really mean? And I'm and, um, thanks to you two, and I mean this hand on heart, that I actually came back to the real reason and why I did this story. And that was to celebrate who we are, not what we aren't or who we are not it's you know if we've got wobbly bits or we've got things that don't operate quite like a 20 year olds or if and i I said all those my boobs aren't what they used to be i've got little bits of cellulite and you know all of that and yet i have other women looking at that picture going i'd give anything to look like that whereas i look at michelle bridges and go well i'd love to look like that you know or madonna you know i'd love to but then i go well would i i mean really, why can't I just be? Why can't I just celebrate? And that, after 24 hours with you two, I came back to the truth. And now I see the real beauty in that picture. Thank you. Because I really was a little bit of a state about it. And I realized this is what women go through on a daily basis, even looking in themselves in the mirror. We do a, a, a judgment. We judge ourselves all the time for not being this perfect ideal, whatever that is meant to be.
0: I think the tragedy about that experience is that it's not only us that does the judging. It's that that judgment also comes from others. It comes from outside. And I really want to talk about that because I think it's a I think it's a huge contributor to why we judge and why we live our lives the way we do in certain contexts, in that we project our own insecurities onto others and blame them for it or call those insecurities theirs when really those insecurities are our own. If I'm to think of, you know, somebody who would make a comment about, you know, that you were naked on the cover, let's just keep using that as the example, but I mean, this this shows up everywhere in life. If I'm to think about the woman who made the the comment about you being naked, and the comments were somewhere along the lines of, you know, you should have kept your clothes on and it would have been a much better photo if your clothes were on, why do we have to keep sexing up everything? Now, there's no sexual connotation in that photo whatsoever other than a sexual connotation that I read into it. So if I project a sexual connotation onto it and then become insecure about it, then, of course, I'm going to have a reaction and an an emotional response that's going to make it wrong. Mm. When really all it is, it's a photo of a woman where you can't see any bits. So in actual fact, you could have been wearing uh, shorts and a boob tube-type top And we would be none the wiser. So if I was to look at the photo and project my own perceptions and my own insecurities onto it, then I'd have an emotional response. And from that emotional response, I then go out into the world and say, that's wrong, she shouldn't have done that. Why do we have to do that? Why do we have to create these sexual images all the time? Whose problem is it really? Is it mine or is it yours, Kim, for doing the photo or is it profile magazine or is it the editor whose problem is it really and this is what I want us to explore is that it's actually mine it's my projections my perceptions being projected out onto the world and then I make it real I say it's real and it's somebody else's fault therefore they should be held accountable they're wrong and I'm not taking any responsibility for the fact that it originated with me the alternative is to just see a photo The alternative, and again, I'm just using your photo as an example, but it happens in every area of life. You know, if we we cut somebody off driving down the main street, how come it's not just seen as a car changing lanes? Why do I Mm -hmm. then have to project onto that driver that he's inconsiderate, he's a, you know bastard and I call him every name under the sun and I've got my finger hanging out the door and (laughs) I've got my hand on the horn and all of a sudden he's a reckless and careless driver when in actual fact all it was was a car changing lanes yet I've gone and taken all of my own personal insecurities around safety protection um, because I don't feel safe I don't feel like I'm a good driver I therefore take all of that projected onto that man it makes that driver wrong and it reassures me that drivers are, and driving is a dangerous thing to do, so we've got to take extra care. You know, we will kill to be right. We go to war in order to be right. We take people's lives in order to be right.
1: We argue in a relationship.
0: In order to be in right. In order to be right. Correct. We will do whatever it takes to make something else wrong in order for us to be right about the world. And all of that wrongnicity, there's a word for the, for the dictionary, all of that wrongnicity is born out of our own perceptions being projected out onto the world. And then we say they're wrong, which makes us right, that the world is so bad, or that situation is so bad. But my challenge or my invitation, I guess, for humanity across the board, and this is a large part of the work that I do now, is for us to actually take responsibility for the originator. We are the originator of the emotion. We are the originator of the response. How come it can't just be a man coming home late from work? And how come it can't just be that my partner went to the pub on Friday night and had a few beers with his friends? Why do I have to make that mean he doesn't love me? Why do I have to make that mean my relationship is over for argument's sake? Why do I have to do that? Why do I have to make it mean that if I don't get flowers on Valentine's Day, I'm not loved? Why do I have to do that? Why can't it just be a day that I didn't get flowers? Why do we have to take all of our own perceptions that are born out of our own insecurities and personality traits and then project them onto another person and make them wrong for it and then go to
1: war? And, and this is exactly what happened, is that um, I'm, I'm thinking of one comment that was made that um, this, this particular woman had gone up, come up to the Sunshine Post and the Fan Profile magazine absolutely loved it. Um, she'd done a subscription to it and now she hated Profile Magazine because of Kim on the front. So, like, explain that. I, like, Karen, you're the best at explaining these things. So explain wh- what is happening in her head mm. that because of one photo, she's decided to throw the mm. whole article out. Although I must admit, if I'm reading something, um, let, let's say, i give an example, I've been reading this guy... Um, lately in the paper, I can't remember his name, um, but he, he's a columnist in the paper. And he he made mention um, to healthcare, something about healthcare. I disagreed with him entirely. I was against him. I wouldn't. I was thinking, you're the most hopeless person. I don't like what you've said. I actually emailed him and said, how can you believe this? You know, this stuff that you're putting out there, you're not giving two sides, you're only giving one side. Then it was interesting, I read him... Um, probably the next week and it was a really interesting article where I felt that he delved into the matter well and I actually agreed with him <laughs> so it, it's interesting how I actually made that judgment on that on him was furious with him about what he had to say and to email him and yet the second time that I, I read him I turned oh, yeah you make sense okay <laughs> okay,
0: you're off the hook okay, for now. Hook. Okay, I'll keep reading you. But you know? I'm waiting
1: for your column next week yeah. because <laughs> heaven help you. And I felt like, you know, she. Profile Magazine is brilliant. I love it. Uh, we were in it, Karen, you and I were in it this month, you know, so it is brilliant, isn't well, it? Absolutely. absolutely. Fabulous, fabulous. Yeah,
2: You've also both been on the cover of it. Yeah. You've also both been, ex- you know. Just, just another it. testament to the fabulousness of the magazine. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. <laughs> they weren't naked, but. Correct, <laughs> correct.
1: No, I was in neck to knee. Neck to knee. Neck to knee. Neck to knee, you know, I was doing the 1950s. Oh, yes, you were. You're so beautiful. I was neck to knee. You were fully unclothed. I was fully clothed. You couldn't see (laughs) nothing.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But I think what came up from it um, for me really was I am, I really do love and appreciate and value my body. I love what it does. I'm grateful every single day I go for a run or every single day I do yoga or whenever I, I don't know, just, and lately, maybe it's because I'm getting older, I'm really grateful, and when I look at, I look at all of us in our 40s... Oh, you're actually 50s, aren't you, love? Um, oh, shame, never mind. Um, but for those of us in our forty, I mean, if you are, like, to me, you are, you know, in the 50s. If you're what I've got to look forward to, I am damned excited. Um, you're right, you're you know, spunk. Be, because, and I hope to think that Karen and I in our 40s are that for people in their 30s, and and let's just be be frank here. There was a couple of negative comments, and a couple to my face said which is fine. I did expect it, but then maybe I didn't want it. Um, but then really the, the other side to it was, there was a hundred and something positive comments about Absolutely. the inspiration men of especially.
1: it. Men were
2: amazing. <laughs> you know, I've even had personal texts from people going, wow, what a hot mama. And so in fact, is that sexual? I didn't take that as sexual. I took that as a compliment. Mm-hmm. But maybe that woman,
0: if she'd been told she was a hot mama, she'd go, what do you want? Um, I don't know, maybe. Yeah. So, But I, th- I think that comes back to the, the reality of it is that it's our own belief systems, it's our own perceptions and our own ideas as to what's right. And then we project that out onto the world and we, if the world doesn't agree with us, we make the world wrong in order for us to remain right. So then the warring becomes... What we see outside of our front doors with every single person, and you know between organisations and between religions and inside of politics, and you know it's a global it's a global
1: issue. And I find that we protect our um, our own ideals and our own totally, you know, things, and we will protect it even if it's against what what really is right. So, yeah. for instance, um, on Facebook, I did um, I, I, I asked a question, and the question is well, what do you think about these young girls, 20, 22-year-old girls, even younger, that have been told they are being given the gene for breast cancer, they have the gene for breast cancer, and they have a double mastectomy? I just threw that question out there, because I was interested, well, what do you think about this? Mm. The first comment um, that came up was, why do you ask? I've had it done. And and then the war started. Mm. Then the war started, and... I noticed that the girls who had, had, had gone through the procedure, because you can't go back. If you do this procedure, you cannot go back. And I, I found that the girls that had gone through the procedure fought tooth and nail mm. in their position. Mm. Absolutely tooth and nail. To the point where there's nothing I could say. And, and even if I did say something, I would be like, jabbed down, stabbed, done everything. You, you know, I, I cannot say the right thing. Even though, you know, um, in my belief, it's, you know, genetics versus environment. Um, and, 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 like, one girl actually ended up saying um, that uh, you're just a business, Cindy. You just want to sell a book. Like a $30 book. How much did wow. her breast, you know, mm. like, the, how much the augmentation cost after she'd had the double mastectomy? It's probably a $20,000 business. Mm. So she's blaming me for for something but she, I know she's fighting tooth and nail to protect her position because there's nothing she can do about
0: it now. No, and that's exactly it because we want to be right. We have to it's not even want to be. We have to be right. Once we've made a decision, we have to make it right for ourselves even if there's an inclination on the inside that it could have been different or there's an exploration that we didn't we didn't pursue. We still have to make it right from an external perspective. In order for us to be perceived as, um, you know, being fitting in, making the right decisions, making the right choices for ourselves, we'll we'll do whatever we need to do, whatever it takes. We stop at nothing.
1: I remember, um, I can't remember the name of the book, but the author was Ivan Illich,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and at the end, well, I can't. I, do you remember, was it the
2: death of a salesman? No, 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 that's the, not the it. The death of Ivan Ilybich. It, it, oh,
1: it was the death of that one. And at the very end... So you
2: knew he was going to die.
1: Yeah, he, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess you did. But at the end of it, he says something like...
2: He, he looks up at his wife and he says, maybe I got it all... What if I got it all wrong? Oh,
1: what if my whole life has been wrong? And mm-hmm.
2: he... He was very mean to his wife. He hated his, his life, wife. blamed her for everything, mm-hmm. blamed everything. And at the very end, he looked up at her on his death door. His last words he uttered was, maybe, what if? I've got it all wrong. And I, But, you know, we were talking, you talked a little bit about protection then. I'm just going back to that Facebook incident about the breast thing, and I remember that. And do you remember there was a um, a person you didn't even know the name of who came on and talked about well, she's only got a $30 book. You're talking about a $20,000 job and dah, 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 and maybe she's just really protective and she was incredible um, and I she think lies. she's amazing. Mm. And, um, and it turned out that th- that was Cindy's daughter and we didn't know that at first. Yeah. But it just shows you that, and she didn't put her name obviously because then someone would have thought she had an agenda, but she felt very strong about protecting her mother and her beliefs because you weren't making people wrong. You were asking the question, would you do it? Probably, very unlikely, absolutely not. But it's not to say that you were trying to make others wrong. You're just trying to question so that maybe someone else will put a little bit more thought into their decision. That was one of the comments this lady made about my article was, I don't think the cover girl thought deep enough. And I thought, (laughs) wow. Wow." Kim doesn't
1: think deep (laughs) enough ever
2: you know and, and is not a great role model for younger women and i think well if you only knew the work i do and the teenage girls i work with and the the thought and the amount of conversations i had with you two about what i was doing and and you both said if it feels right if it, you know if this is your truth and this is what you're about of course it's right you know it's it's right for you and it's tasteful it's not like it's tacky so i think our you know and and your protection of me in that I also had to question, are you protecting me because you love me or are you really genuinely, and that's why I went back to you, are you sure? You know, are you sure? Because it was my own scaredness, is that a word, um, that you were we protecting words
0: me. On this podcast, so. <laughs> but see, I just, I, and I just want to bring it back to that again. See, that woman or whoever it was that was making the comment, and in all circumstances, we never actually really know the truth. She doesn't know you. She doesn't know how deeply you think. She doesn't know the work that you do. Yet for her, in, your, in, for, for, in, in her mind, her perception of you is that you are an evil soul and that you don't think deeply enough or whatever the case might be. That's her perception. That's her reality. That's her truth. And from there, she generates her behavior. But is that the truth? Absolutely not. But if we have, if, if we have all of the information, then our perceptions have the opportunity to change. But 99.9 of our perceptions are formed out of are ill-informed. They're a judgment call made without the information. So I didn't ask the guy who changed lanes in front of me and cut me off. I didn't ask him, are you a bad driver? Have you had your license out of a Kellogg's cornflakes box? <laughs> you know, did you do that on purpose to, you know, to irritate me and, and wreck my day? Did you get up this morning with that intention? You know, if we were to actually ask the questions, we would see that our perceptions are so incredibly skewed and so incredibly wrong that they in our perceptions are the only error, not the error we think our perceptions, you know, Mm-mm. that mm-hmm. we perceive. The errors are not what, our, what we perceive outside, the errors are our perception.
2: You know, a classic example of this is um, when my children were a bit younger and I couldn't hear, I couldn't see them, but they'd had a big fight. And I could hear it building, and then I could tell that something, you know, there were tears and screaming. And I came out, and I've gone, what happened? Oh, she did this, and, and no, no, he did that, and, and it was this whole thing. And I had no idea, had no idea. So I had to calm them down. And I said, Jacob, I want to hear your side. Taylor, we're not going to interrupt. I just want to hear what Jacob said. So he starts off, well, "She did, and then whatever it was. And Taylor's going, no, and I went, no, 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 darling, we need to let him say what he feels. So then he finished his conversation, which, of course, made Taylor completely wrong for everything. And then we listened to Taylor and her whole scenario, and it was, oh, he did, and she did, not I never, I couldn't tell who started it. I didn't know what had happened. And so I turned around, well, hang on a minute, Jacob, you've had your say. You can't interrupt. Taylor, what actually happened? And she sat there, and, she, and I said, now, isn't this interesting? Two people, now, let's get to the bottom of it. How do you both feel right now? I don't feel very good now. Okay, so neither of you feel really good. So do you think maybe by feeling this feeling we're feeling right now, that maybe whatever both of you did in the beginning would be a good time to evaluate before we get to this point. Because I can't tell you who was wrong and who was right because I didn't see the problem. All I can say is I want to ask how you feel right now. I want to know how it felt for you to hit Jacob and what it felt like for you to do that. Did you feel really good hitting Jacob? She looked at me and I think she was dying to say yes. But the truth was But she looked at me and, she was all, and I said, well, did it make you feel good looking at his reaction? No. So, Taylor's perception was Jacob was completely wrong. Jacob's perception was Taylor's wrong. And as parents, it's really hard because sometimes our protection mechanism comes in and I'll make one of them wrong, particularly the one that's lashed out. So I think what it's taught me as a mother is to step back and go, hang on a minute, what's... And I think this is what Karen was really talking to me about on the weekend. What is the? There's layers to this, but what is the fundamental underlying truth? Well, at the end of the day, both my children were very unhappy. They've done something and one of them had done something to ignore the other and one reacted and there was no stopping. And my challenge in this as adults is when you get that feeling when someone's driving you batty, or you can feel an argument coming on is to really challenge my own inside beliefs now of hang on a minute, I can feel I really want to... Inside, I'm going, you're such a jerk. You're so cruel saying this, or I might even say a few expletives, I might. Um, Whereas inside of it, I'm saying to my... And now I'm starting to say, why is this pushing my buttons? Is what he's saying true? Well, no, but maybe that's what I think of myself. You know, like, you know, the thing with this woman saying to me, I was thinking, she was saying all these things I hadn't thought deep enough, hadn't done all these things, and it it was a wrong image, and yet I was feeling all these bad feelings about her. And then I sat back and I thought oh my gosh, and yet I'd say to you two, oh my gosh, I haven't got a Michelle Bridges body, oh my gosh, I might not be good enough yeah. to be that, oh my gosh, so I'd already projected that onto you both, and now she's just pro- projected my greatest fear, but underneath it, when I really look at it, I wasn't really frightened at all, I was only
0: frightened of the reaction of what people would think, because I think it's a wonderful mm. shot. But isn't that interesting though, and it's amazing how the universe actually works, It actually brings you people to highlight your own fears. See, if we had no reaction to what she was saying, if there was no charge, no heat, no emotional response, complete disconnection from it, then there would be nothing for healing. But the fact that there was emotional response and there was charge means that there was something there for healing inside of you, Kim, Mm -hmm. where you have to have a look at that and say, well, where is that hitting a soft button for me? And it was your own fears. It was your own concerns. And she just was reflecting it back for you. Now, she's got her own stuff going on there. But because you had charge around it, it was an opportunity for you to heal. Sometimes we don't have any charge around it. Sometimes we don't have any feeling around it. People can cut us off and we don't even think twice about it. Mm. Sometimes people can call us a name or, you know, ask for a refund on a product or whatever, whatever. And we don't even, it's not even on the radar of things to be worrying about. We just get on with the business of the day but when we attach to it then that's also feeding into our sense of I'm not good enough I'm not worthy what if it doesn't work what if nobody likes it what if people say some stuff about me and it was our own sense of insecurity then that requires healing and her bringing that up and you getting an emotional response was her perceptions meeting your perceptions and bang we've got a charge which is it's 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 it happens every day, doesn't it?
2: But I, what I loved about it, was well, there was an opportunity there for me for healing.
0: Totally. And, totally. and, and thanks, for her, if she
2: got that. What, but I, don't, I can only say from what her comments are that there was nothing around acceptance of anything around that for her because she kept going with it, and that's fine. Mm. But thanks to you two and thanks for the conversation and the support of many people, I actually got to turn around and realise that I think, if I'm really honest, most of us, Most of us have little fears and insecurities sometimes and whether we're good enough and, you know, whether you're a mom, whether you're a pet owner, whether you're a wife, a partner or whatever or a business owner, I think we're constantly challenging it. I don't think that's the problem. I think the problem, like you've just said, is when there's the charge associated to it or when you react to it. And one thing that I learned at a very young age, and I really don't know who I learned it from, but I really took it on board, was, you know, if I've got someone coming into the store, or into a shop or if I was working at the gym and they are at me about this product and it's not worked and I need a refund and, you know, they're at me. My first reaction could be, excuse me, who do you think you are? You know, and all of a sudden now we've got egos locking and it's how dare you, how dare you. Whereas I, at a very young age, learnt to turn around and go, wow, oh my gosh, I really hear, I'm so sorry to hear that. And what I've learned is when I go into that place, even with my children, even as a mother, even as a wife, if I can slip into that as quickly as we can slip into rage, I actually find that the person blows themselves out, Um, as in, they're only going to keep going if they've got something to keep charging against. Um, A classic example, and maybe this is where, you know, even our personality types comes in, because each of us can react quite differently, regardless of the underlying charge or the reason behind it, but, and and Fleur and I did this at an airport once, when you're sitting there waiting to get on your plane, everyone's ready, you know, particularly if it's a connecting flight, and we're coming back from America, and... And all of a sudden they announced over the airline that we're sorry, the flight's delayed. And I've looked up to her and gone, oh, God, I just want to get home, want to be with the kids, you know. And she's like, I know, I know. And then I went, oh, well. And then we both looked at each other and went a little bit longer where we don't have to be responsible, you know. So we kind of looked at the positive. But we sat there and watched. Now, the lady that taught me all about personality shared the story, and all of a sudden I saw it come true for us. So the real choleric, powerful personality types went up to the counter going, what do you mean the flight's cancelled? Oh, I've got very important meetings and I need to be here and you need to get me on another flight. And I went, look at them. They must be all the cholerics. Look at them. Look at them. They're going for it. All the powerfuls that we call it. And then we laughed and then we looked over and, and then all of a sudden the precises were there. Like you could see the, the real melancholic types got their diaries out, their planners, their iPods. They were working out how to strategize the next meeting or how they were going to work out the next part of their journey. Like you could really literally see this group of people doing that. And then there was the peacefuls or the phlegmatic types and I said to Flo, Oh my god, look at them. They're just leaning back, they're like, okay. They just lie back, they lean back against the wall and they were like, Well, we'll just do what we need to do. They just go they go with the flow types. They weren't challenged by it at all. It is what it is, and we'll just go with the flow. And the sanguines, my type, especially when they said, and we'll open the bar for those of you waiting, <laughs> was like, Hallelujah, there's another party, you know, like it was just Again, it might not be just our perceptions but also maybe our personality um, which can respond in those situations.
1: Actually, I have a really good story um, about a plane trip. And I was, I think, in my early 20s and I was travelling with another girl and we were travelling to Europe from America. And I remember I had to fly from Colorado to Dallas and in those days that was when Dallas was happening, you know, the 1980s show, so Dallas was happening... And then I had, we flew to Europe after that. And I basically had a connecting flight. And I remember saying to my mum, I remember saying, oh, I really want just 24 hours in Dallas. I just want to go see, you know, Fort Worth. What, what was it? South, Fork. South yeah. Fork. I just want to see South Fork. I just, I want to see where, what it all is in this television show. So anyway, we got on our connecting flight. I had two hours. You know, that's all I had in Dallas. And about, um, I guess, probably two hours into the flight, it... I noticed it turned around. First of all, I noticed this lightning. I thought it was a storm. I noticed this lightning. And um, I thought, oh, I wonder what that is. Didn't think much about it. Saw so the pilot come down, look out my window, and then I felt the plane turn around. I thought, oh, what's happening? Nobody, no, nothing was said. Nobody said anything in about half an hour before we're about to land back in Dallas. Because what had happened, is that he? Uh, the pilot came on and said, "Oh, look, we've had a fire in one of our engines. Yeah, right. We have had to turn around. Everybody, an
0: emergency landing. Everybody, run for your life. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we've had an
1: emergency landing, uh, and there were, there were fire engines. There was everything around us. <laughs> oh, and guess oh, how long no. I? Guess how long I got in Dallas? Twenty-four hours. Twenty-four hours. Yeah. yeah. On the airline, it oh. was, and we met this guy. I can, never, I'll never forget this. We met this guy that was from Dallas, and he said, you "Want to see Southwark?" I'll show you South Fork, I'll show you the whole of Dallas. There we go, done. Nice. Trust her to trust them. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Trust her to trust Mm, them. I hitchhiked through Europe. There's teenagers Teenagers listening to this.
0: Don't hitchhike and don't eat yellow snow.
1: (laughs) Where did that come from? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, like I remember thinking of it, yes, but can you imagine how many people were going to weddings? Had to be there for a business meeting. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, I I also think it depends the situation you're in as well. I would
2: rather arrive alive yeah. a day late than the than the, the plane going down. And that's the other thing we have to remember that sometimes it's just as out of our control. Mm. And how we react to that is going to depend on whether it's a good experience or a bad experience.
0: But it's our experience. Yeah, mm. I think that's the real positive part about all of this is that, you know we can continue to project our perceptions and our ideas outside onto the world and make the world wrong, which then gives us a hell of an experience because everything is going to be wrong. Or we can take responsibility as to where those emotions originate. And if we know that those emotions and that charge originates with us, and, you know, I can say to you now, for our listeners, I'm hoping that you spread the word about this because it's the absolute truth and reality for us. But 99% of the population doesn't live this way. So 99% of the population is making us wrong or making a perception about certain situations or circumstances in the world wrong, when really all it's doing is it's wrecking their life. It's making their experience miserable, whether it's they can't buy the apples from Woolies or they can't get on a flight. It still makes their life miserable, which then has a ripple effect onto the people around them.
1: And you hear them say...
0: Oh, I'm having such a bad day. Give me Mm. a break. Mm. I could slap people. I could too. Oh, I tell you I I could. I go, well, we'll, we'll stop it. Yeah, who's responsible for that?
1: Yeah, yeah, stop the bad Mm.
0: day. There's this one thing I say in my seminars. Have a look at all of your experiences. Check out every experience you've ever had. Let's start right from the very beginning. You were born. Then, you know, you had your first meal. and But that wasn't your fault. Oh, Oh, yeah, no, it wasn't your fault. Sorry. But, you know, every experience you have, you learned how to drive your car, you had your first job, you got your first girlfriend or boyfriend, you, you know, you had your first encounter, you had your first kiss, you had your, you got fired, you know, you had your first car accident. Every single experience. Let's look at every single experience. Notice you're there. Hello.
1: <laughs> you're present.
0: There's one, there's one theme. In that, in every experience, you're bloody well there. <laughs> So if you're there and you're the common denominator, who the hell is responsible for our experiences in this life? Because if I don't take responsibility for my own experiences, are you going to? No. Absolutely not. I've got my, you know, you've got your own life to look after. Mm. So if we can take responsibility for our own experiences and the kind of life we live here, then we can get to the end of our days, look back and say it was worthwhile Mm -hmm. or it was a great ride Mm -hmm. or it was a challenging ride or it was an extraordinary ride, but it was a ride and it was a ride worth participating in. Whereas I would say a lot of people get to the end of their days, look back and go, what a hell of a ride. I'm glad I'm out. Mm -hmm. And then they blame somebody. Well, it's always somebody always else's fine. fault because there's no responsibility being taken for their experiences. Mm. And if we're not blaming our partners, we're blaming our politicians. And if we're not blaming our politicians, we're blaming our company. Neighbour. The organisation. The,
1: organization. the dog
0: barking. The
2: rain. The wind. The fire. The, politi- the, politicians, definitely, yeah. the politicians. The politicians.
1: Oh, or oh, the financial disaster or the global.
2: Give me a break. Yeah. I'm over it. Yeah. Really. I yeah. think I am too. Yeah.
1: Um, I, was, I was listening to TED.com. Um, which has got those beautiful lectures. Um, and Bren Which are Brand, all downloadable, aren't they? You they're can... all downloadable. Um, and Free. often I listen to them rather than view them because I have time sometimes to watch video and that's why we do a podcast. <laughs> the other reason is you wouldn't want to see what we do around this table. <laughs> oh, always, there was always a distraction happening, I can tell you. But anyway, Bren Brown said this and it really hit home to me and i actually texted mm. to the girls when i heard it it says blame is a way to discharge pain mm. and discomfort mm. and when you don't take responsibility for what's happening in your life and your thoughts and everything like that then you have to
0: give blame it to somebody else. else
1: you have to give that responsibility to somebody else so my question is always well if you're going to you know make somebody else responsible for the misery in your life why don't you make somebody else responsible for the happiness in your life too why do you You know, but most people, for the happiness in their life, they go, hey, look at me, I'm doing really well here. A badge of approval. And then when it goes wrong, it's somebody else's.
2: And I think sometimes, Karen made a really good point on the weekend, is at some point we actually have to stand up stopping the child and actually be the adult in this. Mm. And I think what when I hear couples, or, or not couples, sorry, people say, you know, oh, yeah, but it was my upbringing, or, oh, my father did this, or my mother did that. The
1: mother's the good one to blame. Oh, very always. much, very much.
2: Mm. And I think at some point, and I really got this for me big time, um, my mother is an amazing woman, and, and she's she's been incredible. I see nothing but greatness in her. Yes, there's moments where we have conflict, but as you say sometimes those conflicts bring up opportunities to heal and, totally. and I really appreciate what she did for us as a family I did have a fallout with my dad you know I didn't think he was a good enough dad I even wrote him an eight-page letter after my wedding telling him what he did wrong as a mm. father and it really hurt to write this letter and I wrote it and I wrote it and at the end of the letter I said um, dad if you get this uh, when you get this and if you don't want to speak to me then I'll take it that our relationship is over and that's okay So I sent this letter, and I never heard back, which was really hard because I actually thought I would. Susan, this terrible. So You were
1: looking for response
2: response and healing and opportunity. Well, two years later, there's no accidents. I'm in a workshop called The Forum done by Landmark Education. I'm sitting there, and they're talking about all these people that have different relationships and, and who doesn't speak to someone and cleaning up your messes, and it was quite a confrontational thing. And I'm sitting there looking at everybody thinking, Wow, what a tough lot. this <laughs> Wow, what a life this lot I've got. I've got no problems. And all of a sudden I sat there and I thought, I don't speak to my dad. And yet I've got a dad. Some some people in that room were saying that they're devastated. They're a mess. Their whole life was a mess because their dad died when they were young. or And it really hit home. And so I left the room and I went and rang my dad. And I, had mm, and I rang him and my, his wife answered the phone. And I said, oh, hi, it's me. And she went, mm-hmm. And I went, And in my heart, in all honesty, in the past, I would have gone, oh, you know, listen to her reaction. I'm just going to hang up, forget it. But I hung in there and then she turned around and she said, um, I said, look, is there any chance I could speak to dad? And she goes, I'll see if he wants to speak to you. And I was beside myself. My heart was pounding in my chest. But all I could think of was, let's stay with the true intention of this call, which was to heal the relationship and try and move forward. Dad came on and, and he was so angry. He... He let me have it, how much that letter hurt, um, what it did to him, how is this. And he really went to town on me so much that I had that little feeling and I was, I was inside calling him every name under the sun I could think of and wanted to hang up and do what I've always done in the past. And then I turned around and, and as I by not responding and just letting him say, he actually calmed down and, and then he said these words that I will always remember. You know, I've always loved you. And I remember sitting there going, I said, Dad, I've never heard you say that. And he goes, well, you don't have to say it to mean it. And I went, well, I actually want to hear it, but, oh, my God, I've just heard you say it. And he went, of course I love you. And then I looked at him and I said, well, I didn't look at him, I was on the phone, but I said, and then I, I turned and I said, well, Dad, are you up for the possibility of having a new relationship now? And he went, mm, well, yes. Mm-hmm. And I had to go back into the class, but I hung up and I went, It's that easy. It's actually that easy to heal yeah. a relationship. I mean, you know, my my vision of being my daddy's princess, my vision of being the most amazing girl and young woman and woman in his life—that's what I wanted. That's what I felt I deserved. And yet I look at it now, and I know my dad's really proud of me. He just expresses it in a different way. And what I got from that weekend was we have to stop blaming our parents for who we are and our responsibility and our behaviours today. At some point, we have to be the adult. And you know, and, and even, if, even if Dad had hung up in my ear and not wanted to speak to me, I would have had to accept that that was his reaction and it wasn't my perception of the reaction to it. And that's something that as human beings, it's quite a hard lesson to come to. But when you get the hang of it, it's actually incredibly liberating and freeing Mm. and and very um, powerful because now I don't have an attachment. I'm only responsible for me. I cannot be responsible for your reaction to what I'm saying. And hopefully I'm saying it with integrity and love and and certainly not attacking somebody. But I really get from it that if, if I have no expectation of your reaction, then so long as I can be my truth and say it with love and compassion... Then whatever your reaction is is not my responsibility. I'm only responsible for me, and I'll be honest with you. I have a great relationship with my dad. Don't see him a lot. We don't, but when we do, it's as great as it can be. <laughs> I thought you're
1: going to say I don't see him at all. Great <laughs> <laughs> relationship.
2: Well, he's back in New Zealand, yeah. and I don't see him. But. I'm grateful I now have a relationship yeah. with him. I'm grateful I have a relationship with my mother. And she said to me one day, you know, and we're having a heated moment as, as all families and people do, but she and she goes, well, I might not have taught you how to be, but I've certainly taught you how not to be. And I came away from there and, oh, I just I remember sobbing, thinking, wow, I've... I think she's amazing. I think she's an incredible mum. She had me at 16. She had an alcoholic abusive father. How the heck did a mother like that raise three kids that aren't druggies, that aren't derelicts, that aren't suicidal? That You know, she did a great job. It probably took me to 25 years of age in that course to really appreciate that my parents did the best they could do with the skills or lack of skills they had in order to be the greatest parents they could be in that time. And I really acknowledge them for that now.
0: And don't we all, though? Don't we all do the best that we can do with the resources that we have? Every single one of us does the best that we can. We don't don't wake up as parents. We don't wake up in the morning and say, how can I stuff up my kid's life today? (laughs) You know, I mean, I really don't know any parent that thinks that way or has that intention. Nobody does. So we do the best that we possibly can with the resources that we have available to us. And then based on that we're either right or we're wrong in our own mind about it, you know. The thing the thing that I think is most, um, most empowering is for us to be able to live our lives and to experience life, but then experience life at our most optimal. So be in a relationship, but take responsibility for being your optimal self in that relationship, not relying on somebody else to make you happy, not relying on somebody else to do the right things in order for the relationship to work but to participate in the relationship from your optimal self. And your optimal self will never find charge in anything that anybody else does. Your optimal ultimate self will never find charge in anything that anybody else does. It's only your insecure, um, I'm not good enough, uh, need to protect myself because I need to be defensive because you make this relationship not safe. You make me need to fight for my right here. It's only that small fry thinking in relationships that has us relate to each other the way that we do. And let's face it, it's not working. Most of us, not you know, I'm not. I'm not saying this is across the board, but our statistics show we've got such a high divorce rate. One so in three. If, if we're just looking at relationshiping. We're not getting it right. So instead of us relating to each other from this place of, I need to defend myself, I need to protect myself, don't you swear at me, don't you raise your voice at me, don't you be condescending. Well, who cares if somebody raises their voice? What if it's just a person with a loud voice? What if it's just a person discharging their own sense of guilt and responsibility, discharging it? Can we stand there and take it if we have no charge around it? (laughs) Of course it means nothing to us got nothing to do with us allow the person to discharge allow the person to get whatever they want to get out off their chest allow that to happen if we care about them we just make room for them to do that and then once it's discharged then we can actually get the truth out because then we can say hey cindy you know let you know let's just use you and me as an example if if you were to yell and scream at me over something or you know i didn't make a nice enough lunch for us or something you know and you were to yell and scream at me about that I don't have to buy into your, uh, um, your passion about that. I don't have to buy into your emotion about that. But I care about you, so I want you to discharge it. I want you to get that out. And then once it's out from that place, then I can say, well, what did you actually mean by that? Tell me how you really feel about that and what that has to do with me and how I can do that differently. Because then I'm not relying on my perception to make the judgment call. I'm actually finding out from the source what do you really feel about that so that then I can understand it for myself precisely rather than my own perceptions? Because my own perceptions will always make you wrong because um, I have to be the right one. I have to be the one who wins. I have to be the victor in this engagement. I must win.
1: And that's really what happened with the front cover of the magazine mm-hmm. where you're mm-hmm. a nude. You know, she had a perception of Kim. Correct. Not and true. And no. if she'd gone
0: straight to the source and said, "Really, are you a skanky two dollar crack whore? <laughs> have you done this because you want to sex it up?" You know. And if she'd gone to the source, then she would have actually got the truth, and then from the, the truth, being able to then form her perception. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I think and you she brought her. Her it.
1: Oh yeah. She kept maintaining well, totally. the conversation, and it didn't she was, matter what
0: anyone said. She, she was, in her fact, position. she got more
2: defensive mm-hmm. and more reactive as it went along until the editor said, Look, I think it's really important to protect the cover girl to, you know, direct your thing, which I really appreciated. But I think another thing that came up in our conversation on the weekend, and I, I, I really would like to think that this would support our listeners, is, you know, if we look at if we look at um if we look at our evolvement, if you like, on a spiritual plane, some of us are very young souls. Some of us have got a lot of lessons and a lot of learnings. And some people you meet, even children, seem very wise old souls. And they've been here before, if that's the way you look at it. Or they just seem to have a knowing. Um, And I love the way, Karen, you said this, is that... You know and this is not about being better than anybody else this is not about putting yourself above or below anybody but let's say on the continuum spectrum 10 is unbelievable enlightenment and zero is new beginnings new learnings you know some people are, might be at a level one two where they're learning and they're they're doing this and they can't hear it from a level eight nine person they need a level three person to show them the lessons and and that made me, not that I thought I was any better than this woman by any means, but I thought, you know what, it won't matter what... Because I nearly went back onto the, onto the Facebook chat to actually say why I'd done the story and what it was about, and I wanted to, her to hear what I had to say. She never asked me for it, though. Mm. She never asked me, so a part of me then took a step back and went, you know what, it won't matter what I say, mm. this woman is not going to hear it. And I actually now have... And when that third comment came in, and she was getting more and more defensive, what I loved... Is that feeling that I had with her first and second comment was not there. It truly wasn't there. It, oh. it didn't. There was no charge. You've resolved it. So, mm, well
1: so mm. I, I felt yeah, really, yeah, really
2: yeah. pleased
1: that it didn't have that charge. I, I, I know we've spoken about this before. I don't know about um, on the podcast, but Kim and I have. And sometimes I'll do something and I'll bring Kim up and I'll go. I'm, I'm merely a level one soul at this <laughs> point. <laughs> <laughs> I Regressed. I am sure of it. And, at a 10 or an 8 or a 6 or a 5, we actually do change between Mm -hmm. 1 to 10 because sometimes I feel very enlightened and other times I just go, well, I'm probably a zero at this point. Mm. So, you know, where she is on that realm of her life because, you know, I actually looked her up. I actually looked up who she was because I wanted to know why she had a charge on a nude body on profile and I looked her up and she's actually a seamstress. So, of course she wants clothes on you, (laughs) Kimmy. She sews (laughs) clothes for a living, you know. And she was a Christian. Mm. And I don't think all Christians would think that way, but a lot of Christians do. They like to cover neck to knee. You know, Mm. like I was on front of Profile magazine. Mm. I was the Christian, neck to knee. Mm. But there was another magazine cover that came out on Profile, which was their first nude. Oh, yes. It was a, a picture of a friend of all of ours. And she was very pregnant. I think she was seven to eight months. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it was very much um, the same photo as Demi Moore was mm. on the front of Vanity Magazine. Stunning.
2: It was stunning.
1: And I have to tell you, I think pregnancy is beautiful. Same. So. And I love pregnant little bellies. I, like, I watch these young girls show them their bellies. We didn't show them. No. And I absolutely was, I picked up the magazine as though it was a baby. Mm. And I just looked at this beautiful photo. But, you know, she got absolutely thrown across the coals, the hot coals. Yeah, I remember that. As far that. as what she did. Inappropriate. Yeah. Why, yeah. why
2: Why is pregnancy and nakedness pregnancy. inappropriate?
1: And, I like, I love it. But when I was pregnant, which was only 20-something years ago, he didn't show your belly. Mm. It was always covered. And I love the girls. Mm. I love it. They just show their bellies and their tight little dresses. Mm. And I actually think... It, you know, people are becoming, you know, the beauty of, of, their, of their bodies. And the other thing that just blows me away are these young girls with muffin tops and very proud of them. Oh, Absolutely <laughs> oh, <laughs> proud of them. And they show their little bellies and they are cute. Mm. As teenagers, they are cute. And as, as young 20 year olds, they have these beautiful bodies. Mm. And when I look back at fo- of pictures and paintings of um, back in the Renaissance era, They were tubby women. I don't know if you noticed that. They have a little... They were very shapely. Very shapely and very beautiful. And
2: a lot of naked paintings back in that era. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And I think what's... Yeah, they were, weren't Mm. they? And I think what's happened is that we have this unrealistic vision of what is a perfect body and what is not. And, you know, we've seen that a model can be beautiful, but they enhance it through changing the photo. Oh, by, yeah. Or know, through
0: Photoshop. Mm-hmm. Photoshop's yeah. unbelievable
1: what mm. they do. And I mean, I
0: must be honest, I do actually fancy Photoshop because it removes my wrinkles on my photos.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm
0: never going to say anything bad about Photoshop. Let's
1: just, let's, just, let's, just, let's just say that. No, Photoshop is great, but we have an unrealistic vision of what we should be. We're not Barbie dolls. We're actually these Renaissance women.
2: But yeah, I think what's happening nowadays, because of these magazines and these models and these... Unrealistic images. I don't actually agree with Photoshop Um, too much. (laughs) Um, much. Yeah, too much. (laughs) You know, I don't, well, I tell you where I don't like Photoshop. I've got a friend back in New Zealand who's a model, and she did an advertisement for a tanning cream or a sun lotion or something or other. She is stunning. She's six foot tall, she's beautiful. And when she was in the magazine, they uh, they actually elongated her legs. They made her legs longer. Um, They lifted they lifted her cheek slightly, her her chin, and things like that. That's where I don't agree with. Because what happens is we look at these magazines and go, I don't look like that. And then when I look in the mirror, I don't see anything like that. Therefore, I'm wrong and I'm not good enough. Mm. You know. And that's the other thing I'd love to say. Karen's looking at me with the the photo. (laughs) She's checking my photo. To see it's been Photoshopped. I had a lot of makeup on, um, but really, but what, but what I'm, what I want to get across here is, if we do look in the mirror, and I challenge you all to do this: stand in the mirror naked and look at yourself. Now, some of you are going, I don't want to do that. But really, if you can get to know and love who you are raw and naked, this is the point of my story, then those bits don't matter. And you focus on things that do matter, like it is health, it's health rather than losing weight. It's getting fit rather than trying to beat somebody or, you know, it's it's an amazing difference in mindset when you actually get to know yourself. Now, I'm not suggesting that we all look in the mirror and we go, "Oh my god, I am so beautiful. I am so fantastic or I look hot." Actually, men do it very well, even with beer pots. <laughs> they'll stand in front of a mirror and go, yeah, I'm looking all right," you know. But I think as women we are probably our own worst enemies and what I'm suggesting to you is yes you might be looking in the mirror you might see 10 kilos over than what you'd like to be so therefore in that case you have a choice you have a choice to become the victor or the victim the victim will sit there looking won't even look at herself and she'll look at skinny people and go skinny cow it's all right for her yeah. oh it's all right for you it's yeah. it's all right for that lot oh look at her she doesn't even eat. oh eat something do something and they had that language and I'm sure we all know those people or you become the victor in that moment and you go you know what I'm on a program I'm on a protocol I'm on a mission I actually really respect myself I'm going to do the H C Protocol, or I'm going to do a health and fitness boot camp for three months, or whatever your goal. We do, I think it's great to have a goal in place. And in that response, it doesn't matter the outcome whether you lose five kilos, ten kilos, or fifteen kilos, because in fact, the journey is what's the matter, the, the important part. It's the, the doing something in order to improve oneself. And I believe when we can improve ourselves physically, it helps us really believe and, and improve ourselves mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Some people are the other way around. If they improve themselves mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, the physical calms naturally. So I don't think it's one or the other, but I do think if you don't know which one it is, then go for the physical, because sometimes the physical is the most easiest one to get a grip on because you don't have to worry. You're just not going to follow this program. I eat this at that it. time, and I can measure it.
1: Yeah. You know, when we, we were discussing our, um, our seminar, Awaken the Change Within seminar, and we came up with something that I felt was very inspiring, and that was that what people probably need to do is create a better relationship with themselves. Mm. Because when you have a better relationship with yourself, you will want to eat well. You'll want to go for a walk. You'll want to nurture your mind and and nurture relationships, etc., when you have a better relationship. Then what was interesting is I was thinking about that and and thinking, you know, that's true. You know, if you've got a good relationship with yourself, you you actually are not critical of people or judgmental. Like you'd still judge because we're not, we're human. That's, That's what right. we do. We mm-hmm. judge. But you don't judge as much. Or in a malicious way. You might just say, oh, she needs HCG." Yeah. yeah.
2: You
1: know, she'd do really well with HCG. That's what I do. I actually go, oh, she'd do so well. You know, she's puffy and this is what she needs. And I often think that. And anyway, I was reading um, a, a, an email that went to my coach on my Healthy Living Club. And the email just hit me. Because she said, this is what she said in the email. She was thanking my coach um, on the Healthy Living Club with doing the four-phase fat elimination protocol, and she said, "I feel like 2012 was a journey back to me." Hmm. And it's true. It's who are you know who's the real essence of you? Who am I? I'm not this person who's lazy and doesn't look after myself and don't respect myself and blames people. That's not who you are, and that's not who we, you know, hope to become. We actually. Want full control of our body and of our life, and full responsibility. And when we take that, we are the victor, not the victim. And I, I, I really—that really hit me. Twenty twelve was a journey back to herself. And I'm, I'm saying to people, you know, it's twenty thirteen now. Make twenty thirteen a journey back to who you really are, Mm. and who. What's the essence of you? And how do you do it? Whether you do it through the spiritual first, or the mental, or the physical. Whether you exercise first or whatever your keystone habit might be, start that journey back to who the essence of you really are.
2: I think that's where our body boost, I find a really great anchoring. And if you want to know how to do that, you can go on to like chocolateforwomen.com and click on body boost. Um, and you will actually see a, a video demonstration of me showing the body boost, not naked. Um,
1: but you are meant to do it naked. Yes, you are.
2: <laughs> but you know, for some of you listening to this, that might be a great starting point. Um, the protocol that Cindy's talking about on changinghabits.com.au could be a fantastic starting point. I think becoming a part of Karen's gateway on her um, website... Um, karensmith.com if you go on there into her gateway program that could be a fantastic starting point for you and I think that is our biggest wish in these podcasts is to give you the tools and strategies we've learned that we've come across and you know more than anything I'd love to say and probably some of you I don't know how you guys all feel but I feel like we're all we're all here girlfriends mates blokes friends boyfriends whatever it is we're all here supporting one another otherwise you wouldn't be listening to this podcast Mm.
1: What I find about this podcast is I learn more. I don't know what anybody else is learning, but I'm learning <laughs> You know, you think we're working? Well, we are. Shh, don't tell, don't tell anybody tell we're not.
0: Okay. <laughs> I, won't, I won't tell. Him. I
1: won't tell <laughs> But I do learn um, a lot, and, and our hope is that by our conversations and our chatting, uh, that not only do we learn, but you're learning out there. Um,
2: you know, just to finish off, because I know we're coming into a close, but... You know, if you really want to make a change, not only do we run retreats, but we're doing something with the wellness guys, the One Day Wellness Summit, which is coming up. And I reckon if you really want to make a shift or you're looking for one of those keystone anchors or those habits to change or to focus on, that would be a $97 day that would be probably one of the best investments you could ever make, which is the wellnesssummit.com. Um, And I think if you go to that that website, have a look at it, come along, you'll hear eight speakers, amazing speakers, you'll actually hear the three of us, Um, but also the wellness guys and a couple of extra guests and I think you'll be really amazed at just what you could get out of one day.
0: I think the key in terms of today's conversation has been all about looking at the way that we behave as humans and not accepting that our automated responses are right. You know, exploring another alternative, exploring an alternative that does actually work. Because the way that we're working and the way that we're operating and participating in life with each other, it's not really working. It's leaving us wanting. It's leaving our relationships wanting. It's leaving our our actions and our behaviors wanting where we're finding fault with the world rather than finding what's right with the world. We're not geared or conditioned to find what's right. We're geared and conditioned to find what's wrong and then set about fixing it. And I think that if we were to um, find a way to find what's right within ourselves, that's the first place to start. So as you know you guys were saying, whether it's with your food, whether it's with your mindset, whether it's with your you know, your your actions and your behaviors and your body, just start. You know, instead of us sitting around making comments about how life should be or could be if everybody pulled their finger out (laughs) and, you know, if, if everybody was operating at their optimal and their ultimate, instead of us just envisioning what that could be like one day, why not take one step today? Why not take an initiated step right now, in fact, and eat an apple or take an initiated step and jump onto one of our websites and... You know, do the body boost or, you know, pick up Changing Habits, Changing Lives or register for the Gateway Coaching. Start looking at different areas of your life and just get into the game. Take action. Take the first step because you can't go wrong. But while ever we're just wishing life was better, wanting a life that's more creative or wanting a life where we have more freedom, it's going on between your two ears and it's the greatest secret that's been kept in this world. And welcome to the human race because that's what everybody else is doing. So it's time for us all to actually start taking the initiative and start taking action because participating in life is the only option. Either way, we're going to land up in a box at the end. Either way, that's what's coming. As well, do it well. You might as well do, it well. do it well. Yeah. Don't you want to get there and know that you've had an amazing life? Yeah. Really, I mean, it can go one of two ways. And you know, the challenge and the, that I, I want to extend to everybody listening to this podcast: make your choice now. Don't choose tomorrow and don't choose next week and don't wait for circumstances to change. Choose now. You can eat an apple now. You can change your thoughts now. You can listen to this podcast and be inspired to think differently. You can. That in and of itself is a choice. Or not. And even that is a choice. So either way, you're choosing. Whether you know it or you don't, you're choosing. So choose in favor of your greatness. Choose in favor of your ultimate and your optimal experience and then live life from that place, because that's what's possible. And then you create a ripple effect for everybody in your life, for your children, the people who love you and the people who care about you. So take responsibility, step up and create something new. Go and go and film yourself naked and do up a magazine cover
2: and see how you feel. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> I was just about to say, and post it on the website. So <laughs> Is that a challenge? That's a challenge. Now listen, join us. Come and make some comment for us and tell us about your thoughts about this podcast on thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat. We really want to hear your comments and we're always checking in to see what you guys have got to say about the podcast and your own feedback and input. So don't hold back. It's your forum and it's your opportunity to express yourselves. So join us here next week as your professional reminders on up for a chat and become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. Bye for now.